The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's find Acts chapter number 16. There's a couple things, kids, before I dismiss you, I want to remind you about Sunday night, Children's Spotlight, and so here's what you want to be doing. You want to be working on that verse, that memory verse that, uh, that you can say, so I want to encourage you about that on tonight. Uh, I'll have you all to come up. We'll ask you uh, to give your name and uh, say something that's favorite to you, but as well, share that verse. If you mess up, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, just do your very best, and we'll enjoy that together. That's tonight, uh, Children's Spotlight. And then I wanted to say a few things about Mission Weeks, and uh, as well for the kids, right after the service, Miss Rebecca's going to be out in the, uh, out in the uh, lobby, and she has our mission posters, and, and uh, there's also an instruction sheet that goes along with that. And so you can pick that up. And I'm opening it up uh, just not just for the kids. Teenagers can do this. And as well, if you as an adult would be willing to jump in, if you enjoy crafting and you would like to uh, maybe scrapbooking or whatever, and you'd like to take a country that interests you, do a little bit of research about it, about its, uh, its need for missionaries or kind of the religious background of that country and just highlight that country, we'll take all those missions posters and hang them up down the North Hall uh, right the first Sunday of Mission Weeks. And so this is just a project we can all get involved in. Children uh, can get involved in. Uh, parents, I encourage you to take time with them and, and help them along in that matter. And uh, so those will be available right after the service. And there's an instruction sheet that gives everything that you need to know. And so if you're interested as an adult, a teen, or a child, uh, then um, pick up one of those posters and uh, take that home and be working on that over the next several weeks. As well, kids, if you will complete that and bring that in, there will be a child's passport that you'll get uh, for Mission Weeks that you can get stamped by the different missionaries uh, for each week of Mission Weeks. And so I encourage you about that. That'll be something, a sticker book. Kids always love sticker books, and so you'll get that child's passport, and I give it to the adults and the teens, but it probably doesn't have quite the same thrill uh, to that age group. Everyone's a little tired this morning. You all feeling it today? Yeah? Do we need to uh, turn down the air conditioning a little bit and help us all wake up? No, 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 I hear it from all the ladies. No, don't go there. We'll have a church split right over the, the temperature in the, uh, in the auditorium. Uh, anyway, children, fourth grade and below, that's what I have for you, and so you're dismissed to Children's Church this morning, and before we jump into the message, I wanted to take some time and just share some things about what will be coming up in the fall, and so if you'll give me your attention, and also as you hear it, if you'll just uh, say, you know what, Lord, uh, I'm going to pray for our church as we take some steps um, forward in these days and, uh, and um, for the Lord, and so I want to um, present some things to you that have been on my mind, have talked with our, our deacons and we've prayed about it. And just ask the Lord to give us some direction, especially about the 9.30 hour uh, on Sunday mornings. I want to encourage all of you to be back and a part of that. But especially as we go into the fall, I want to encourage you about that. Um, I already have you at Acts chapter number 16. I shouldn't have had you go there yet. Can you um, run over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16? Would you do that for me? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16. I want to show you a verse here uh, that's helpful. This is in the context of the the local church and how God has set it up, the local church, verse number 14, is to help us to be stable against uh, the false winds of doctrine that are constantly blowing about. And so your presence here today actually stabilizes you from someone uh, or some false wind of doctrine getting in your ear this week. Uh, and it, it's a help to you. It gives you stability. God intended for this gathering, for this assembly, to give us stability throughout our Christian lives. And so as we get along, the Bible says in verse number 15 that the truth is to be spoken in love. It is to be communicated. Sometimes truth isn't easy. Sometimes truth isn't easy to receive. But Jesus wants the church, within the church, the truth to go forth in a spirit of love so that we may grow up into him in all things, so that we might be edified. So we all need truth today, and we all need to be on growing in the truth today. And by God's grace, it'll be presented in love. But verse number 16, here's what I want you to notice with me. Uh, the Bible says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. What are you, uh, in this illustration, what are you as an individual member, what are you depicted as in this illustration? Okay, you're a part of the body, what else? What's the, what's the specific wording here? I heard it. By which every joint supplieth. Now, does anyone, and I, I started to do the research on this, and I, I wish I had found a conclusive answer. How many body parts are there? 
How many of you know that song, the, the, the uh, connected to the uh, next connected to, you know, I, I, I don't know the song very well. I can, I can hear it in my mind right now. The knee bones connected to the, yeah. I can hear it right now. Um, but I can't sing it. <laughs> but there's a lot of body parts, right? You know, the, the, the church and the body, God often uses them as an illustration together. He, he illustrates what the life of the church, how the church is to work together, how the church is to grow together uh, with how the body, the body works. And so even in this illustration, he says the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted. How many of you are thankful that your whole body is fitly joined together and compacted? You did not lose a leg on the way in, all right? Uh, you did not lose your head on the way in. You might have felt like you were, but you didn't lose anything on the way in. Uh, your body stays together. If your body does not stay together, it's a problem, right? And so every, every part of your body is important. My son yesterday said he cut, uh, cut one of his toes and he was limping around, right? Because every part of the body is important. Just get a paper cut and you realize how very quickly your whole body Every part of your body is important. And when one part of it hurts, it all hurts together. And so the Bible says here that the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint uh, supplieth. Now notice, according to the effectual working. What working is that? The Lord's working, Christ's working, the Holy Spirit's working in the measure of every part, in the gifting of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. So the Holy Spirit's working in your life and in my life through the giftings that he gives us, through the, the insight, through, the, through the, uh, the callings that he gives us to add something to the body. Every part of the body is important. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to the Ephesian believers and thus to us today, that every part of the body is important. Now, I want you to think about this. As, as Jesus himself uh, relates the church together, the church together as, as this this body that is fitly joined together. He's the one that's showing this. He's the one that is wanting us to understand this. I want us to think about this. The body does this best when it knows one another. Now, I, it is safe to say in here this morning that, that there are some that do not know uh, the names of one another. There's, there's, there's not too many you know, times where your paths cross. You might be in a you know, a different part of the building, you might be in a different class, you just don't have a reason to, to come together. It's not because you're, you're mad at someone, it's just you don't have a reason to really uh, uh, you know, connect. And so it, 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 even in a, in a group like this, it is possible for, for people not to know one another. Uh, and it's also hard at that point for the body to be fitly joined together. Now, um, I'm thankful for the unity that God has given us, but we as we get to know each other, as we grow in our knowledge of one another, we are able to, uh, to be even more compact together and benefit one another through the giftings that God has given us to express within the body. We often fellowship within our age groups or with people in a similar life situation, right? Um, it, it's just the way, the way that we are. We're, we're naturally drawn to our own age group. We're naturally drawn to our own, you know, to people within our life stage. They're going through similar things. You know, uh, people raising children are, uh, are often drawn to those that are raising children. And so that's not a bad thing. That's, not, that's very natural, but that is the way it is. And so uh, what would happen if, even within our church family, if the older are, are fellowshipping with one another, and that happens, but what would happen if that, that increased? Don't you understand that, that that would help us be a more fitly joined together congregation? And so as I, I think about that, that would, that, would, uh, that would be an awesome thing. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Titus that the older women are to teach the younger women and the older men are to teach the younger men. Why? Because there's experience in the older generation that the youngers don't have. The youngers have all the energy to put that experience into play. They can learn off the mistakes of others. How many of you really like learning off the mistakes of others? I do. I do. And, uh, and you know what? There, there needs to be opportunities, even within the church, for us to fellowship with one another in that way. What if an older married man connects with a younger single man to share life experience? How did the Lord lead you to your spouse? How have you? What are some of the mistakes that you made early on that I can avoid? What if those type of conversations are happening? What if we're connecting around 
the fellowship and around the growing together in God's word? How would that help us to grow together and to be a more fitly compacted and joined together body as a, as a church together? And so why I say all this is for this. In the 930 hour, that's something that we're going to try to achieve a little bit more by taking our 930 hour, which is, is somewhat divided down by age group and life, life stage uh, most of the way, okay? Um, but we're going to take our 930 hour and we are going to, to divide it down or to break it down by topic or what we would call growth groups, where we would come together around a topic uh, that, that would be of interest to us, uh, uh, an area that we would like to grow in, and we would like to, uh, to break it down in that way. Uh, so here's how we're going to go about that. On September the 12th, we'll, we'll start it. So it's, it's a ways out. If you have questions about it, I welcome the questions. Let's talk about it and so on. But at, at the 9.30 hour, we are going to do our best to, to take a step away from breaking down by age group and, uh, and really focus on gathering together around topics of growth. And really, I want you to think of it in this way. It's connecting the church family around edifying study topics. And those would change uh, each quarter. Those would change, and, and so there would be new study topics for you to get engaged in. But this means that it might be an older, an older couple uh, and a younger couple or a, a single person and a, a married person in the same study group, but learning around a topic that would be helpful and beneficial to them. The new study topics will be offered each quarter, so about 13 weeks. So on September the 12th, we'll take us uh, into December, and we'll study around of that. Now, some of you take, took part in a poll on the band app this, um, this week, and you wondered, what, what was Pastor doing with his poll? I kind of wanted to see, uh, see if we were heading in a, in a right direction in offering as a way of starting off. And so our three study topics that really uh, came back uh, were these, and it's, first of all, a study topic on heaven. What is heaven going to be like? How many of you are really looking forward to heaven? Isn't there a song that heaven's sounding sweeter all the time? It is. It is. What if the rapture happened today? Hallelujah. But there's a lot the Bible says about heaven. Now, there's also a lot that God says, you haven't even thunk on it. You don't even know what's inside of heaven. And so there'll be a study topic on that. There'll be a study topic on a biblical worldview. I'd really encourage if you are newer to the faith, uh, to, uh, to consider taking this, avoiding confusion, and it's really taking subjects that are in society right now and filtering them through the Bible. How many of you understand that we need to have Bible glasses on? There's the, there's the old answers in Genesis song that says putting on your Bible glasses. We need to look at everything going on in our world through the lens of Scripture, so avoiding confusion. And then the, the last one really deals with um, more of our, our, our mental state, uh, the guilt, the anger, the despair, uh, the, the struggles that we go through in our minds, and it's entitled this, Quieting a Noisy Soul, Getting Your Heart to Be at, at Quiet. You know, I was talking to somebody, and I asked uh, something about uh, when was the last time you really had peace, and they kind of just looked at me and like, ha, you know, like, you know, go to bed without thinking about all the, the struggles and, and, and so on. You know, God wants us to be able to lay down, go to bed with our soul and our heart at rest. Do you believe that? He wants that for us. And even if we as believers, we get so, you know, so worked up. And you know, sometimes it's the guilt of the past. Sometimes it's not processing that guilt right. And so these are going to be study topics that we'll deal with. So here's what we'll do. Over the next, uh, next couple weeks, I just want you to hear this, think on it, ask any questions that you might have. Say, Pastor, what about this? This is a, a little bit of change and so on. Uh, you know, will we still have a class named, you know, Firm Foundations? Will we still have a class named Ambassadors? Is it going to be uh, structured? It's going to be structured around the study topics, okay? And so it won't be structured around the age groups. And some of that is because there are times, even in a church our size, that people don't fit into a specific age group, but we have similar topic interests that we can grow around. And so that's the heart behind it. And so what we're going to do each quarter, you'll have the opportunity to enroll in a 
in one of these growth groups. And so this quarter you might be with th on this growth group, but uh, you know, you, you'll change because the growth groups will change. And so on the 29th, we'll open it up for enrollment. There'll be, a, there'll be a description beneath each one of those topics to describe it a little bit further, and there'll be a way for you to enroll in that. And so my encouragement is to you, be thinking about it, ask any questions that you have, um, and uh, give any comments back that you have, and then be thinking about enrolling in that. The first week of Mission Weeks, we will be together with Brother uh, Ken Fielder. Looking forward to that as we kick off the Mission Weeks. But the rest of that, September 12th and forward, will be in our growth, uh, growth group. So uh, I wanted to share that with you this morning, and this has been something that we've been uh, praying about, especially over the last um, about, uh, month, and uh, just asking the Lord to give us wisdom in, in that. And so I uh, appreciate your attention and ask any questions that you have and certainly open to that. And then one last thing, I want to encourage you about the Holiday at Home Parade. We will be, uh, we'll be looking forward to that, and that's really an opportunity for us just to get out in our community. And so if you're interested in helping in that, there is a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. Brother Frank will be out there with that. There's an instruction sheet just uh, with everything that you need to know, times and so forth out there for that. And so we're excited about uh, getting out into the community. We've ordered a bunch of bands, these bands, to be passed out on the parade route for the Adventure Kids and also for the teen group. And so uh, they'll have our website on them. And I, we were so moved by the teen's testimony last Sunday night, was it, already? When one of them said, I'm not an accident, I'm not an accident, and that was the message that stood out to them. We put on the teen band, um, Brother Caleb and I put on the teen band, I'm not an accident, and just, uh, just a reminder for teens. And so it, it gives a teen's Instagram uh, page. And so those so will be able to be passed out to teens on the parade route. And, uh, and then the children will have uh, some, so they'll put those on and hopefully remember and come out and visit us. So that's going to be going on on September the 6th. That's Labor Day uh, and look forward to that. Let's stand and let's read our portion of scripture this morning. Thank you for your attention and uh, thank you for allowing the Lord to work in your hearts today uh, with what he is doing. So Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 6. Acts 16 and verse number 6 is where we'll be and we'll read down through verse number 15. The Bible says this, now when they, and we're talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy, now they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they had gone to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And passing through Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Let's say that together. Come over into Macedonia. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, Loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course, a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Nicopolis and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a river where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word today. Help us not to take it lightly. Lord, help us to realize that we, we are privileged people holding your word in our hands. And I pray that we'd receive your word uh, with meekness the engrafted word of God, allowing it to become a part of our souls, allowing this narrative to adjust our thinking and the way that we go throughout this life. Lord, I pray that you would form us more into your image today. Renew our minds by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And you may be seated. You know, the Bible talks to us about the steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You know, that's an interesting thought there. Are your steps ordered by the Lord? I certainly think that every one of us would say here today, I want my steps to be ordered by the Lord. What is that the idea of? The, the steps are founded by the Lord. They're set by the Lord. They're, they're set out by the Lord. We want our steps to be founded and set out for us by the Lord. And as I read this passage of Scripture, I realize that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were men who had received from the Lord a general strategy in Acts 1a, a general strategy for reaching the world with the gospel. They had understood that from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea to the uttermost parts of the earth, they were to take the gospel. That was a general strategy. But along the way, after Jesus went back to earth, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and through committed followers like Paul, Timothy, and Silas, uh, the, the Lord guided them specifically into how this strategy would be fulfilled. As I think about the, the, um, the book of Acts and how that God was working and building his church, the early church and the early Christians received direction, specific direction from the Lord in several ways. First of all, through the scriptures. I'm thankful for the direction that the Holy Scriptures give to us today. But they received direction even from Psalm 69 when they replaced Judas, uh, the, the, the apostle, the, the disciple that, that, that had denied Jesus Christ, had turned on Jesus Christ and betrayed him. When they replaced him with a Matthias, uh, they went back to the scriptures and learned about that. I think that they, uh, throughout the book of Acts, they received visions and prophecies. Ananias, Cornelius, Peter, and Paul twice received prophecies and, and visions, a direct revelation from God. This is the way that you need to go. This is the person that you need to talk to. Here's their name. Through circumstances such as persecution, God pushed the believers out of Jerusalem saying, hey, let's get out, uh, get out the gospel in the other parts of the world. Through civil authorities and through the shipwreck, God uh, turned Paul to the island of, of Malta. And, and different places, God was using circumstances to guide us sometimes through the advice of other Christians. God guided his people and gave them direction as, as what to do, sometimes through the initiative of others. Um, Barnabas um, went to Antioch and gave them understanding of what they ought to do in chapter 11, verse 22. Agabus prophesied of a famine that was coming. There was a sending of Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. Judas and Silas were sent out of the, of the church of, of Jerusalem with Barnabas and, and Paul. And there were, there were just so many other times where it was the advice of Christians and the direction of other Christians that God used to guide his people. Sometimes it was through direct communication like we see today. Where God was guiding Paul and saying, here's where I want you to go. Don't go there, don't go there, but this is where I want you to go. Here's the point. God orders the steps of those who want to follow him. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were people whose hearts were moved by God. They wanted to follow him, and I'm really thankful this morning that Jesus promised to build his church and that Jesus is still leading that out in, his, in this day. He was leading it out in the book of Acts, and we see that over and over. Jesus is leading the advance. He's leading the building of his church. He's leading it. But here's how it goes. He uses people like Paul, like Silas, like Timothy, who were committed to his, his will, who were committed to following, who were wholly committed to that. They weren't vacillating this. They weren't double-minded in, in their ways at all. They were wholly committed to the, the will of the Lord. They were wholly committed to Jesus as the builder. You could say it like this. They were leadable. I know that's not a word you find in your dictionary, but it, it expresses what I want to I say. And here's the fact. God always leads leadable people. God is always going to lead you as you say, God, I humble myself before you. I will do your will. I don't want to follow the world. I don't want to follow my own heart. I'm committing my way to you. God will always lead leadable people. And we see that in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, there's many other times in the book of Acts that we can see this, this worked out where they were the church as a whole was just following the direction of God. They were following the direction of the Holy Spirit. They were very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I think this one especially as the Holy Spirit steps in and says, don't go here, don't go here, don't go there, but go there. 
Are you leadable this morning? Is your ear in tune with the Holy Spirit of God? Do you think he still speaks to us in this way? Do you think his spirit still guides us in this way? Don't take that route to work. Take that route to work. Stop at this store right now to pick up this. I remember Edgar Fregali. How many of you remember him? Brother Fregali. I look forward to getting him back at some point. But uh, Brother Fregali tells a story in his book, uh, Forward in the Face of Fear. Tells a story of being on his way home to entertain some people at home. And they, the, much of the way that they reached the Muslim world was by hospitality. That was a big deal to them and still a big deal, um, bringing them into their home. And so they remembered that they, they, needed, to, uh, they needed to stop and get some coffee and, and some, uh, some uh, ingredients for making cake. And so the story is told that they just seemed very prompted, this needs to happen right now. This needs to happen right now. And so they stopped and they, they picked up those supplies and then as they went, uh, they went along, uh, there was a, an explosion that had happened. And they realized that by God stopping them and turning them into that store, God spared them from a certain explosion, a certain uh, terrorist, uh, terrorist explosion and so forth. God still does lead us today. You know, it, it happens as you're going into the grocery store, as you're going through a line and God says, and he prompts your heart, he says, give that person, talk to that person about Jesus Christ or help that person. And you know in your heart, you don't want to do it, but there's this pressure in your heart. There's something that says, if I, if I don't, you know, I'm gonna, this is going to nag me for the rest of the day. You know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit still prompts us today. See, God leads leadable people. Every day that we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, we are, we are opening ourselves up and saying, hey, I'm ready to be led. When you go into, uh, into your day tomorrow, are you going to start your day with saying, God, the best I know how, I'm yielding my body, my way, my schedule, my thoughts, my everything to you to be led of you today. Wherever you want me to go, even if it's a change in my plans, I want to be led of you today. And so Paul exemplifies for us in a, in a dramatic way, along with the team, that they were leadable of God, and God led them. And you know what, how? God fulfills his promise, Jesus fulfills his promise to build his church. As we say, I'm yielded to you, Lord, whatever you want. And you don't just think that there's someone that God wants to build into the Grace Baptist Church family even this week or begin building them into the, um, the Grace Baptist Church family by leading you. And each one of us needs to be leadable. Each one of us needs to say, I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's see how that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were very leadable. And I want you to notice, first of all, that they were active in the work God had already given them. They were active in the work. Uh, when God first called Paul, to work and to be a missionary, if you'll remember back to Acts chapter 13, what were they engaged in doing already? They were engaged in teaching and discipling and using their gifts within the, the local assembly there in Antioch of Syria. And so that's so very important for us to understand that part of us being leadable is to be engaged in what God has already shown us to do. In fact, tonight I'm, I've been praying about uh, this, whether to, to take a step away, and I, I think I'm going to about commit myself to this tonight. Uh, it really looked through in a very practical way of how to determine the leading of the Lord. And I think we'll just take some time tonight in the evening service based on what we're doing here to go into that a little bit further in a very practical way. It's something that we have looked at before as a church, but I just feel very impressed to, uh, uh, to, uh, to hone in on that and help us along with that. Because sometimes we, we think, how do I know the direction of the Lord? Well, first of all, make sure you're doing the will of God right now. Paul was doing that. He exemplifies that all the way throughout his life. Every time that God is leading Paul, we also see that Paul is doing what he knows to do right now, and he's completing it to the best of his ability. And so he was active in the church of Antioch. God sent him out. He comes back. He's active. God sends him out to go visit the churches again, Acts chapter 15 and verse number 36. He's active in that, and now we see he's accomplished that, and he is now being sent out again by God. So all the way along, he is already active in the work that God had given him to do. Notice in verse number six, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, I want you to notice how that they had followed through on the burden that God gave them in Acts 15, verse 36. I feel impressed. Let's go visit the churches. 
Let's visit them and see how they're doing. Let's confirm them, help them along. Let's make sure they're doing all things whatsoever Christ has commanded. Let's uh, disciple them. So there's a little bit of vagueness that comes here at this um, first part of verse number six. Uh, some people wonder if uh, the two regions that are mentioned here, Phrygia and, and Galatia, really are encapsulating like Lystra and as well if they're uh, the Iconium and so on. So if, if, if that's what uh, uh, Luke uh, the human penman is, is getting at that they had gone throughout those regions, they had been in those regions, they had visited the churches. Uh, others wonder if they had actually been allowed of the Holy Spirit to go up further into these regions and even start some churches and perhaps even start the church of Galatia at this point because when Paul comes back on his uh, next missionary journey, there is a church at Galatia. So we, we, we don't know dogmatically, and so we're not going to split hairs over there, but I just told that out. We don't know exactly all, all that was meant there and in, uh, in them going through what all they were doing, if it was just revisiting those churches from the first uh, missionary journey or starting some new churches. But I do know this, that they had completed the burden that God put on their heart in verse number 36 of Acts 15. Paul had accomplished what God had told him to do, what the Holy Spirit had led him to do, to go visit those churches help confirm them and bring them along. And I just ask this question today, are there any burdens that the Holy Spirit has impressed upon your heart that you have yet to fulfill, that you have yet to follow through on? It might be a burden to go visit a neighbor. It might be a, a burden to follow through on somebody or follow up with somebody that we talked about last week and that you prayed to the Lord, God, this week I'm going to follow up on that person and, and you know, time got away from you and so you didn't follow through on it. And so right now, Today is the day to say, by God's grace, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow through on the burden that God's put on my heart. So Paul had done that. They had completed what God had initially said in Acts 15, 36, go up there and take care of this, uh, go visit the churches again. Now at the rest of um, verse number six, we notice that Paul is beginning to seek new mission fields. He's going along, and so in verse number thir uh, six, he says, and we're forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So there are sites are now being set on Asia. Guys, would you give me the map there, and uh, let's help uh, get this, this in picture. So they're over there in, in the area of Lystra, and so they've gone up, and you see how Phrygia and Galatia are, are sort of on what? I'm directionally challenged. I should have put a, I should have put a uh, east, right? Uh, so uh, they're over there in on Galatia and Phrygia, and, and that's why we think possibly those, those regions extended down to where he was. But they started to turn their, their eyes towards Asia. This is where we want to go. We haven't been there yet. Now, by the way, over there in Asia is where all the churches that we read about in Revelation are. Um, so, and by the way, you know, you have a little later on in this, you have... Lydia, who's from where? Thyatira, but she's, she is originally, she's in Philippi, but she's from Thyatira. So over, over in the Asia area. So their heart is to go, I want to get over to Asia. And God says, no. So here's what I want us to catch from this. Paul is seeking new places to go and share the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes we get in our heart, we want to go here, we want to take care of this. And God says, no, not right now for reasons known only to God. But what I want us to catch here is that Paul is sort of a wide-eyed evangelist, church planner. That's his gifting. That's his heart. He's an apostle. He's seen the Lord out of due time. He's an apostle born out of due time. He's seen the Lord. He has a special part, the foundation of the church here in the early church, and he's just wide-eyed. Where can I go? And I really catch his heart in Romans 15, verse 20. He says, I've strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. And he says, I want to go to new ground, is what he told the Roman believers. I want to go to new ground. I can just see this here in the Apostle Paul's heart. All right, let's get over into Asia. We haven't gotten there yet. And God says, no. All right, we'll get to that in a moment, but what I want us to catch is he's seeking new mission fields. He's seeking new places to preach the gospel. And I say we should do the same. Where have we not yet touched a person, a people group? Where is there a city that needs a gospel witness? Where do we need to go? 
Um, some of you who are following me on Facebook, wasn't it such a blessing? I shared yesterday about uh, what God is doing up in Dearborn, Michigan. Like 10,000 uh, John and Romans were passed out uh, yesterday um, by several churches that got together all the way up in Dearborn. We, by God's grace, are going to go up in the middle of September to help the church up in Beechwood, Ohio, and pass out the same thing, John and Romans out, out there. But isn't it great to get the gospel into some of these places? Where can we go? Where can we go? You know, Dearborn, Michigan doesn't have a, have a Baptist church in it. They've, it. they've kind of all scooted out of the city um, for fear of, of that, the Muslim population, um, population there. So where can we go? And that's the heart. Where can we go? Where can we go? Where can we plant a church? That's the heart of Paul. God said no to him about Asia, but the heart was they're seeking new mission fields, and so they were being leadable. Now, here's something interesting. As Paul was seeking, God was directing As Paul was seeking, God was directing, but notice God works and directs through open and shut doors. And so we should be as joyful and grateful for the shut doors as the open doors. Because every shut door is God's way of saying, I have another door to open up. And this isn't health, wealth, and prosperity uh, teaching here. This This is simply God works that way. He shuts a door and he moves us on. And may we give him praise for that. God is leading the leadable in this situation. So notice Paul was active in the work. He was also very attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. Very attentive. He was attentive in his moves. Now, this is Paul's second missionary journey. So it started around A.D. 49, about two years after the previous missionary journey. It takes him further into Gentile, uh, Gentile-populated areas. So what's God doing? He's taking the gospel. He's moving it from Jerusalem up to Antioch. Antioch is uh, kind of the gateway to all the Gentile, uh, to the, uh, to the Gentile population. And he's just moving his church along and building his church greater and greater forward uh, into the Gentile populated areas. And it's amazing how God is doing it. But this passage really just shows us Paul's absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And friends, that is what we need in this day for us to go forward and see Christ build uh, build his church. He said he would do the building, but he needs us to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. You agree with me this morning? He needs you. You're not a You're not a a side issue in the church. He needs you at the Grace Baptist Church to be sensitive and attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to say something about this. This matter of uh, of being attentive to the Holy Spirit of God, we will not accomplish the will of God today, tomorrow, or anytime this week if we're not attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. That's sobering because there's too many days that we go through not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know how we can tell that? We lack love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Rather, we show the fruit of the flesh. Lust, pride, strife. So we go too many days, too often, if we're really honest with ourselves, not being attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. Let me also say this. We cannot be attentive to the Holy Spirit of God while we are quenching and grieving him. Can't. You talk about a noisy soul? Your soul will be noisy as long as you quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. You know how you quench and grieve the Holy Spirit? Spirit of unforgiveness. That's specifically the topic when he says don't quench the Holy Spirit. Resentment. All those things just quench the Holy Spirit. It's like putting water on a fire. Worse, it's, it's, it's like putting flame retardant on the fire. It just, it just squelches it. It mutes it. It just, just smashes. And so, friends, you and I, if we want to be like a Paul and be leadable, we're going to have to come face-to-face with some of the things that we get comfortable with. We're going to have to deal with this thing called flesh. We're going to have to deal with this thing called pride. Do you think the Holy Spirit leads a a proud heart, someone who's very boastful about their own way and what they've done for God? No. If we're going to be attentive to the Holy Spirit of God, we cannot be quenching and grieving him. And so God God convinces us about that, and we need to deal with it and be, uh, be right with him about that, and I encourage you in that way. And so Paul was attentive to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice in verse number six, 
and they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden. The idea of forbidden is to be prevented. I don't know if this was, if this was something that was impressed upon the heart, whether this was something just in his heart that says, no, don't go there, or if it was a circumstance that happened, but God says the Holy Spirit specifically showed up in Paul's life and in this mission team and prevented them from going over into Asia. No to Asia, okay? So throw that map back up there. Uh, they wanted to go up into Bithynia. They're like, okay, we, uh, we are saved. We're going we're gonna to go up into Bithynia. We're going to go north and go up there. And, and God said, no, I don't want you to go there either. So the Holy Spirit is, is guiding them. Notice what he's doing. Asia, no, this way. And notice the path that Paul takes. He goes right there. Okay, we're just going to continue on for the Lord. This is a sensitivity with which Paul was listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And here's a question for us today. When God tells you no about something, what becomes your attitude? I guess that one hit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The fact is, sometimes we get really grumpy. We go into depression. Think about this. David wanted to build a, a temple for God. His heart was towards God. He's a man after God's own heart. And God says, no, I'm going to have your son do it. Now, your dads understand that there's a little a bit of pride that has to be swallowed there, don't you think? Don't you think that David had to say, oh, okay, Lord. But you know what David did? He didn't, he didn't just sit back and cross his arms and say, well, I'll see if, if Solomon gets this, young whippersnapper. No, he prepared and set him up for success. God allowed him to do that, and he sets him up for success. He prepares, he gets the supplies, he works all the details out so that when Solomon became king, he could do this mammoth work for the Lord. And so God said, no, here, and, and so he, he worked for the Lord here. This is what I want you to do. And so Paul says, uh, is told no about Asia. He's told no about Bithynia. And he continues on to Mysia. And so it's so very important that we understand that we cannot just get a depressed or discouraged or despairing attitude. When God says no, continue on to do what God allows you to do. Continue forward with what he's told you uh, to do. And so we find in verse number nine, what happens? God gives unmistakable. Yes, God gives no's through the Holy Spirit of God, and he's going to give you some no's this week. Don't go there. Yes, sir. I'd be glad to not go there, right? Yes, sir. That's, that's how we respond, with a sweet spirit towards the Lord, but the Lord gives unmistakable direction. Think if Paul had said, you know what? I don't understand this, but we're going to Asia no matter what. Would he have ever gotten verse number nine? Not if he stopped saying yes to the Holy Spirit in verse number eight. Friends, sometimes we wonder, why isn't God leading me? Because somewhere along the line back here, we said no. We said, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do it anyway. We, we said, you know, I, I'm going to push aside that prompting. I'm going to go my way. And we wonder why, you know, a year down the way, God doesn't seem to be talking to us because we quenched the Holy Spirit by not honoring his no back there. And so we, we see that Paul says, yes, I'll continue on. In verse number nine, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood this man from Macedonia. I prayed him, come over into Macedonia and help us. God is giving through the Holy Spirit of God this unmistakable direction to the Apostle Paul. This night vision, this dream, this is something that God was giving to him. Now, I am thankful today that we have the Word of God and that it is, our, it is our guide. The Holy Spirit still prompts us and guides us into all truth, does he not? He guides us in all truth. Be very, very careful the people said, you know, step out on a platform and say, I have a vision, right? And that vision is contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit's guidance will always be in cooperation with the Word of God. Every time, every time. There's a lot of people who want to uh, get a lot of fame and a lot of money out of announcing to a crowd of people, I had a vision, right? I had a vision, and you should do this. You should send in money, and you should get my prayer cloth or whatever the, um, whatever the, the matter is. I had a vision. And we saw even over this past, the past year and a half, did you not hear people stand up and say, I had a vision and I know how something's going to work out in our country. I know how the election's going to work out. How many of you heard some of that? You know what one of the proofs of 
of false prophets were is when they stood up and said something that didn't come to pass. We had a whole lot of false prophets, right? You understand what I mean? That, that were going on in our, in our day. Nothing's changed from, the, from the, the word of God, okay? So God gives us guidance, and God was giving Paul guidance in this specific way, and this vision featured the prayer of a lost man. I really want us just to, to pause and think about that. I want us to think about the fact that, that, that God allows Paul to get a, a vision to, to receive some direction from him that was a lost man who did not yet know God praying, come over and help us. Now, sometimes we talk about, you know, we have a vision for this or we have a burden for this. This is a little bit different. You know, Paul, is, he is receiving specific Holy Spirit direction from God as to where he's to go next. So this is something from God. But we talk about a vision, you know what, you might, you, might, uh, you might go to a certain place or you might be in a neighborhood where God has given you a, a vision, not in the same way, but God has given you a heart, God has given you a goal. I want to reach this neighbor for the Lord Jesus Christ. But think about Paul receiving this and, and realizing there's a lost man somewhere out there that is begging for light. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 1 and verse number 20 that the invisible things of God in creation uh, cause the lost man to be without excuse before God. There are people who realize there is a, a creator God. There is something bigger out there uh, than me. I want to know him more. And I cannot help but think, here's a man over in this area in Macedonia who is who is seeking more light. Sometimes people will ask the question, you know, how does a person, you know, in a, in a remote place find the Lord? You know, how do they get a chance? Well, God, God burdens the heart of a believer saying, here's someone over in this area. And he does it through the most interesting ways. But he burdens the heart of a believer saying, there's someone over there that is pleading for more light. Go there. And we have the option at that point to say yes or no to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Oh, that we'd be a church that always says yes to the Holy Spirit of God. I want that for my own life. I want that for you. And so here's this prayer from this lost man, come and help us. What is he wanting? He's wanting light. He's wanting answers. He's wanting direction. Do lost people have peace in their heart? No. No. Do sometimes they act like it when you ask them? Yeah, they do. But friends, in the, in the quiet moments of their, of their life, they, they still wonder, where am I going to spend eternity? What happens after I die? Why did this person die? Why am I here? They have these questions. And so here's a man. He's not saying, come preach the gospel to us. He's simply saying, come help us. And don't we still realize today there are millions across the world that are praying that prayer. There are people across our world that are begging for people like you and me to come help them. There are people within the city that are begging for someone to come help them. There's someone that is trapped in a lifestyle of bondage, of, of drinking and drugs, that, that's saying, I need help. I don't want to go on anymore. There's someone that's trapped inside of a, a depression that's ongoing and they can't seem to get free that's begging for help. There's someone trapped inside of sex trafficking that's begging for someone to help give uh, uh, direction, give light, give truth, give release from the bondage. There's someone that's wondering, is my life worth living anymore? That's begging for help. Sometimes they don't come right out and say, I need your help. They say it in different ways. My life is worthless. Just wish someone cared. You know, they say it in different ways. Oh, that our ears would be attuned to the prayer of the lost man like Paul was when he heard this man saying, come over and help us. And I want us just to realize right after they heard this, notice verse number 10. Look at it with me. If your eyes are on the Bible, say amen. All right. And after he had seen the vision, he immediately went out and told a bunch of people so he could make some money. No, after he had seen the vision, here's what it, it prompted them further into the mission. Immediately, we endeavored to go to Macedonia and then read the next two words with me. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So people wonder about a specific call. Sometimes people say, oh, God doesn't specifically call people. I take great issue with that. 
Why? Because the Bible, the Bible declares to us, it shows us in vivid detail that God has the ability, and yes, he does, still specifically call individuals to specific places to do specific things. That's amazing. But they were leadable. They were already working in the mission. They were doing what God called them to do. How is God, if God wants one of you on the mission field in Africa, how is God going to do that? You better start serving the Lord where you are with what he's told you to do. Be very active, very faithful, faithful in the small things right now so that you're perfected to every good work. Growing in the Lord. Remember what the Bible says in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, that the word of God is profitable for us. What's it doing in our lives? It's instructing us, it's reproving us, it's correcting us, it's giving us instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, mature, truly furnished unto all good works. So every one of us needs to be allowing God to work in our hearts, grow us perfectly, furnishing us to all good works, preparing us, using our gifts within the body so that God could, like the Apostle Paul, push us out. Say, go here, go here. I had this thought, is it possible that sometimes we're missing the opportunity to be ready for the call because we're missing the opportunity to serve the body that God has put us in? Is it possible that we miss the specific call of God or we're not ready to receive that specific call of God for years upon years upon years? because we haven't allowed the word of God to change us and change us because we weren't taking it seriously right now. Because we didn't take the assemblies serious. You remember Paul assembled with the saints there? They assembled. They rubbed out the time, the Bible says. They continued with them. They rubbed out the time. They abode with the saints. They were there. They were assembling. They were doing what God had called them to do right there in Antioch, and God pushes them out, and they were hearing this call. They assuredly gathered. They absolutely, unmistakably understood that God was calling them to Macedonia, and they did this by deciding. Notice what it says here. They called us, us. Now, this is the first time in the book of Acts that the pronouns begin to change from they to us and we. What is mostly understood or gathered by that is it seems that here at Troas, now, now Luke is joining, the author, the human uh, penman of, of the book of Acts is now joining the ministry team. So we go from three to four. And so here we go. He says, the Lord assuredly uh, had called us for to preach. And so it's that kind of the idea that they got together after Paul received this. Hey, you know, this is what happened last night. God really seems to be burdening my heart. And all of them said, well, it seems like God's calling us together. And so they said, well, let's go do it. So here's what goes on. They, they go forward in, this, in this, this matter. And here's what's really exciting about this. God was calling them to preach in a new region of the world. This is really exciting because this affects us in a, in a major way. Not Asia right now. That's later on. Not Bithynia. God is calling them to Europe. As one man put it, the man of Macedonia represented Europe and his cry for help in Europe's need of Christ. Paul recognized in the vision a divine summons and the very next sunset which bathed that area. Paul is sitting on the deck of a ship with his sights, with his sights firmly set towards Macedonia. Because we read here, get it with me, in Acts chapter 16, verse number, um, verse number 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a, what? A straight course. Now, this is just exciting to me because here's this man who receives his call. They gather together. Here's what happened last night. And they all say, we must be called to, um, to Macedonia. They get on a ship, and the very next morning, they're heading to Europe to bring the gospel there. What does this tell me? What does this tell us? God is keenly interested in the whole world hearing the gospel. He may be interested in bringing you somewhere. How I encourage you, how I encourage you to be faithful to the Lord right now, right where you are, to excel in your gifts, to be gathering together, not be forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but to be gathering together in this place so that God is uh, able to call you and, uh, and that you're ready to receive this call, ready to move at his command. God's heart is that all the world gets a chance and he wants to use you and he wants to use me to accomplish that. And so they were attentive to hear the Holy Spirit, not here, not there, but here. Notice what happens, verse 11. They were attentive to respond. 
Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course. The Samothracia, that's an island. Uh, they, they just, they sailed up there. They got onto another ship. The next day, Neapolis, they, uh, they go up to there. So that's on the coastal, if you'll give us that map again. If, uh, they go up uh, on the coast. I think it's the next one, guys. Go from uh, uh, Troas and uh, Samothracia right there, and then up to Neapolis, which is on the coast of Macedonia. Do you see how God's doing that? Pretty amazing. In a matter of, what, 16 years, the gospel's gone from Jerusalem and is now going all the way up into Europe. God is interested in the souls of men. The gospel is not about one ethnic group. All that we see going on in our world right now, the critical race theory, all the division among the races is absolutely of Satan. This is not God. Satan is having a heyday right now in our culture. He's having a heyday in our schools. We need to oppose this because it is, it is wicked. It is against God. It's against the gospel. The gospel has always been for all people. Whosoever will may come. Praise God. And God shows that to us right here in the book of Acts. So he's, he's going from the Jews, Gentiles, up into Europe. And where do most of us come from? I'm, I have German in my background. A lot of us come from Europe. And praise the Lord, the gospel got there. And God was going to bring it to Asia in time as, uh, as God, God willed and for specific purposes. So he, he, they go with a straight course up there. They came to Samothracio, Neapolis. And then where did they go? They go to a chief city. So Paul knew a little bit, or he had to do a little research. All right, what's the chief city? Where's going to be our hub for this gospel outreach now in Macedonia? So they go to Philippi, which was a colony. Uh, as a colony, it was a, a place that, uh, that really was much like Rome. But I'll say a little bit more on that in a moment. So I want us to understand this. Paul could not have obeyed faster. They didn't have jets. I guess if he had a jet, he might have been able to get there a, day, uh, a couple days sooner. But he could not have obeyed faster. They were on their way. Every bit of verses 11 and 12 shows us that they were moving to the will of God. They were attentive to respond. They were paying close attention. This is what God wants me to do. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right away. Remember this. In our lives, as in the lives of our children or teens or any, any other lives, to delay is to disobey. To delay is to disobey. What is God prompting your heart to do? Do it today. Don't delay. Don't delay. Many times we know, know what the right thing is, and yet we don't want to do it, so we, we give an excuse. We say it's for another time. Later on, we procrastinate. We push it off. We give a spiritually sounding reason for it. Paul did none of those things. He did not delay. He went after the will of God. As soon as he was assured of it in his heart, along with his team, they went after the will of God even the next day. And it doesn't even seem there was another sunset before they were obeying the will of God. They've been active in the work. They were attentive to the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice, once they got into Philippi, they were aware of their environment. Notice here in verse number 12, they looked for opportunities. We were in that city abiding certain days. What were they doing? taking a vacation, sightseeing. I'm sure they're walking throughout the city. But it seems that in verse 13, on the Sabbath day, they knew something was going to be happening in the city. And here's what's very interesting to me. How did they know that at a certain river, prayer was most likely to be made? How did they know that? They had to get out in town and figure some things out. They were not just sitting at home fellowshipping, having Bible study is a great thing to do, but they were there. They were there for a purpose. God had put them in that city for a purpose, so they were looking for opportunities. They were abiding. They were spending time there. The word abiding is that idea I mentioned a moment ago. They rubbed out the time. They were there. They were not saying, we're here for a day, and then we're on our way. No, they were there. They had settled in there into the city. God had put us here in this military town, 
It had very few Jews, so there was not a synagogue there. It required uh, for a synagogue to be built. It required 10 faithful men to be a part of that, 10 Jewish men to be a part of that. So there was not even that much of a population of Jewish men within that city. And so there might have been at this riverside a little shelter where some Jews got together, some folks got together uh, to pray, but there was no Jewish synagogue. And that's where Paul would typically go when he came into a city. So he looked for opportunities. Where do we go? Where am I going to go to get a, a step in for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so during that time, they heard about this prayer meeting that was want to be made. It's the idea that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen. So, hey, Silas and Timothy, Luke, I think we ought to go, I think we ought to just go up and show up there and see what happens. That's kind of the idea. You know what? I think we ought to just go show up at the holiday at home parade and just see what God opens up. That's the idea. I think we ought to take bands up the, up the, the parade route like we've done other years and just see what God opens up. I think we ought to go out to the National Night Out and just see what God, God opens up. I think we ought to go out and knock some doors and just see what happens. I think next we ought to go canvas in our community and just see what God opens up. I think we ought to take our shuttle bus and take some willing hearts up to Beechwood, Ohio and pass out John and Romans for the Vision Baptist Church and just see what God opens up. Sometimes we don't find opportunities because we aren't looking for them. I think I ought to take this over to my neighbor and just see what God opens up. I think I ought to invite those people over to my home or invite them to Sunday lunch and just see what God opens up. If we wait for God to tell us exactly what he's going to open up in a certain opportunity, we're going to be waiting a very long time. And so here's the idea. They're looking. Now, God had put them in that city. Where God had placed them, they looked for the who and the why. They looked for the who and the why. And I want you to think about this. Where God has placed you, are you looking for the who and the why God has placed you in that place for? Are you looking for the who and the why God placed you in that neighborhood? Why and who? Why? God placed you in that workplace. Why and who? God placed you in the hospital. Why and who? Who's there that God wants you to talk to? God's placed you in that mechanic's waiting, uh, waiting room, waiting for your transmission to be fixed or to be flushed or your radiator to be, uh, uh, to be patched. Why and who? Why and who? So they're there in Philippi. Why and who? Well, it's not you know, evident on the surface. They didn't come into town see a billboard that says, Paul. Silas, Timothy, Luke, go here. You'll find people that are hungry for the gospel. You'll find that man that was in your vision. No, they, they came into town. Where's the opportunities? Oh, I think this prayer meeting, that seems like the right place. We're going to go there. And so notice what happens when they get to that prayer meeting. They seize the opportunities. They sat down, verse number 13, and spake unto the women that resorted there. Hey, my name's Paul. By the way, I, I doubt very much that Paul introduced him. I am the apostle Paul. Apostle? You know, they... they Hi, I'm Paul. Hey, I'm Timothy. I'm, uh, I'm Luke. And they introduced themselves and, and uh, began to just talk. Just expressing speech. It doesn't even say at this point that they, they, they expressed the gospel at this point. It's evident that they got to that at some point because she received Christ and she was baptized. But they, they sat down and began to talk. They sat down. They engaged them in conversation. By the way, uh, the gospel has to be spoken. Banish it from your minds. It is a cop-out for us to say, well, I'm just going to live the gospel. There is a part of our lifestyle needing to match the gospel. That's what Philippians 1.27 says, uh, says. But it is a cop-out for us to say, well, at work, I just try to show the gospel. You should. But the gospel has to be spoken. Every time the, um, the, the Great Commission is given to us, it includes a command to speak. So we as good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ need to learn how to speak and to pronounce the gospel. Uh, and so the gospel is spoken. Lydia, this woman, this businesswoman from Thyatira, and an interesting, God said, don't go to Asia, but here's this businesswoman that he finds at the, uh, at the, the side that probably had a little bit of sway in Thyatira. And so here's this businesswoman. She responds, she hears, and notice the Lord had opened her heart. Before Paul had ever gotten there, God had already been working in her heart and opened her heart. She was attended to the good news. She attended unto it. The word idea there, attended, is the idea that she responded to it. 
She followed through on it. She heeded to it. Verse 15, she was baptized. Her household also believed. They were baptized. They besought us, hey, would you stay with us? And here's what's amazing. From this very moment, at that riverside, as Paul's looking for opportunities, there at the moment, they seize the opportunities, they speak the gospel, she's baptized, I guess in the river. Here's what happens. Lydia says, won't you come back to my house? Please come back to my house. If you judge me faithful to the Lord, please come back. If you judge me to be sincere, please come to my house. And here's this team now has a headquarters in Philippi to do the work and to plant the church. You see, when we look for opportunities and seize opportunities, God will open it up and give us even greater opportunities. He will broaden the opportunity. Sometimes we don't get to the broad opportunities because we didn't take the first step in looking for the opportunity. Would there be someone that you'd meet in Beachwood, Ohio, that will be the next deacon of the Vision Baptist Church? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what God's going to do. We just have to go there and do it. So remember this, Christ is building his church. That's his promise. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The church has gone from Jerusalem all the way now into, into Europe. And it's happened because there's committed followers of Jesus Christ who were following him, following the spirit. They were leadable. And if we can walk away today, God always leads the leadable. Am I leadable? Will I choose to be leadable this week? Will I be in the place that God wants me to be? Will I be assembling with the saints together? Will I be waiting upon the Lord? Will I be active in the work that he's already given me? God leads the leadable. Let's be a leadable church. Be a leadable believer. It might mean that you have to change some things in your life. It's time to be a leadable person. It's time to be humble before the Lord. Say, God, I want your way more than my way. I want your schedule more than my schedule. I want your thoughts more than my thoughts. I want to do your will. That is my highest priority. Paul was a leadable individual. God always leads the leadable. And boy, what a wonderful illustration of that today. And so we're going to talk to God about that. And I encourage you with all that I can encourage you. I encourage you. Say, Lord, I want to be just like the Apostle Paul. I want to be like that team leadable, so attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.